APU. American Public University is proud to present Online Teaching Lounge. This is episode number 95, an interview with Dr. Jan Spencer and Dr. Sean Bogle. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, but it can also be rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. Today, you're in for a real treat. We have two special guests, Dr. Jan Spencer and Dr. Sean Bogle. Welcome, and let's have you each introduce yourselves, and we'll start with you, Dr. Sean Bogle. Tell us about you. Yes, greetings, everyone. As I've been introduced by Bethany, thank you. My name is Dr. Sean Bogle. I am currently serving as a part-time faculty for American Public University. I've been in this role for almost two years now, and I've enjoyed the opportunity to engage with students who are pursuing their master's degree with a focus on student affairs. Speaking of student affairs, I've spent most of my career in higher education working as a student affairs administrator at various universities across the country. Most recently, I served as the Dean of Students at the Yale School of the Environment. And prior to that, I worked at a community college as a Dean of Student Affairs and Activities at Stanford University as an Assistant Dean in various other roles. And I found my passion for working in student affairs after actually being a public schools teacher for language arts. And I enjoyed that environment and wanted to pursue administration initially in the secondary environment. That being said, I found that higher education fit my skill set and personality more. And upon getting my first role at University of Louisville as a residence life coordinator, living in with 300 co-ed, it certainly wasn't dull but it was also very exciting to see that I could match my personality with supporting and developing undergraduate students and also helping to lead those who were interested in engaging with students and supporting their needs. So over 12 years of experience has really led me to serve in a role with American Public University that I'm very proud to be in. Outside of that, I currently also work at Kowali. Kowali is a software company that supports institutes of higher education and specifically, I help partner universities across the country with research administration tools that we use so that schools that are seeking federal grants can execute their research in an efficient manner. So this is my day-to-day role. And outside of that, I live in Connecticut. I've been here for over two years now. I enjoy it. I enjoy the full four seasons. And uh, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sean. And how about you, Dr. Spencer? Hi, I'm Dr. Jan Spencer, and I am the department chair for educational leadership and student life. And that incorporates three different programs, educational leadership in the K-12 space, and then higher education, student affairs, and higher education administration. And we are so very blessed to have Dr. Sean Bogle be on our team of faculty. He has brought a lot to the table, a lot of experience, a lot of depth. And as he greatly explained some of the journey he had, I so uh, appreciate what that does for integrating in an educational environment with students who need to have answers to the variety of questions that they have. So, Sean, I'm so glad that we're getting to work together, and I'm so glad that you're on this interview 
since you've really shared your journey and some of the institutional work that you've done and your current role that you serve, you probably have a great view of the variety of environmental changes that have happened in student affairs. So what significant changes can you see have happened and are happening in our current educational environment, and particularly as it relates to student affairs? Absolutely. Thank you, Jan. And I think that when I look at some of the biggest challenges for students, it's how do we support students in multiple ways? The environment is certainly different than, say, what it was 10, 12 years ago, where there was this traditional college experience where we knew sort of how to support students either on campus or off campus. And many universities were very good at just doing one or the other. And now when we look at student affairs, there is more hybrid activity going on where students may be engaged to a different level on campus or off campus, and they need both. They need resources for both. So we need more dynamic student affairs professionals who can really reach students no matter what their environment is knowing that students are more familiar with the online setting, knowing that students need to be able to access their support, their student affairs administrators in various different settings. So we have to be comfortable with the tools to engage with students outside of the on-campus environment. We also need to be more cognizant that wellness is certainly at the forefront of what students are dealing with now, whatever wellness may be, whether it's mental health issues, homesickness, imposter syndrome, we have to be more prepared to support students with their needs for wellness. You know, one of the things that's amazing about what you just said and the context of our conversation today is that you, Bethany, and I are in three completely different locations in the United States. And mentioning the whole virtual aspect of student affairs, it seems to me that's going to create a bigger hurdle for you as a professional to be able to really address an individual student you can't just sit down with face-to-face and work through their issues. How do you accomplish that, given the reality of the virtual challenges that we all face? Yeah, I think a great example is recently in one of the courses that I was teaching, I had a student who was located in South Korea and needed to reach out to me multiple times throughout the course. And as I mentioned earlier, Dan, I think it's very important that administrators and teachers are able to adapt to the times. We need to be able to align ourselves and familiarize ourselves with the resources that are out there to make us more accessible to students. So I started using Calendly, which is essentially a tool where you can plop it into an email. It's a link that allows for students to see your schedule and be able to plug in a time that works. This is a lot more for me efficient than going back and forth with a student who may be in need and have questions and need support, I can just say, hey, here's my Calendly link. Pick a time that works for you because I know it's going to work for me if you pick it because it's based on my availability. And here I am reaching out to the student in South Korea. Now, it may be 1130 or close to midnight for that student, but, you know, it worked enough for that student in our schedule to align for support. So you have capabilities then to address the gap in terms of distance. What about the actual depth of conversation? Is the tool of, let's say, a Zoom or a similar technology, is that sufficient to be able to allow you to accomplish your goals in conversing with a student in order to support them? Absolutely. That being said, I want to be adaptable as possible. So Zoom is my go-to for 
virtual meetings with students. That being said, I'm cognizant of the fact that some students may feel more comfortable with, say, Microsoft Teams or Google Meet. So I want to make sure that I have access and know how to use all of those tools. They're all very similar, but then there may be unique differences to them as well. I just, again, want to reiterate how important it is for me to be adaptable. So I want to make sure that when I'm meeting with a student, that I'm doing so in a space that is similar to if they walked into my office, where there's a level of privacy where the student can feel like I've created a safe space, a comfortable space. I do have a seven-year-old daughter, so I try to make sure that I'm in a space that I am now where she can run and play. And I can also have the space that I need to give that student that one-on-one attention. If I'm, for example, in an environment where the background may be distracting, I'll blur that background just so that that student understands that I'm mindfully engaged with whatever we're discussing. Thank you. Let me just press that just a little bit further and talking about the value of student affairs in today's market. One of the big words that we hear in online education is the word retention. And how does a professional in your field work with keeping students on track for the sake of keeping them in school? How does student affairs accomplish that? What are some of the the insights that you utilize when you're engaging the students? Yeah, so I think I'm looking at two different routes here. One of which is if I'm dealing with a student who is wanting and seeking a career in student affairs, I'm always looping them to here are the possible routes for you upon graduation, upon completion of your program, here's what's available. So almost with every discussion post or assignment, I'm linking it to understanding what it is that they want to do. So for example, if it's a student development course and they've identified a certain theory that they associate with, I may say, wow, based on your understanding of that theory and the way you feel you resonate to that theory, I think you'd be a really good resonance life professional in supporting students. So that sort of gets the ball rolling on, wow, you know, that's a career field within student affairs that I could seek. So again, trying to link a student affairs student to a possible career in student affairs is one aspect. The other aspect is just a student in general who may not necessarily have an interest in student affairs, but talking about the work of an administrator I think it goes back to letting them know that I care, that I'm treating them as an individual and not as a number. Oftentimes, particularly at large universities, students may feel lost. They may feel like one person in a class of 30, and they may need some guidance there. Oftentimes, I'm listening to their needs and sort of configuring my conversation to whatever it is that they need, and also looking at their background, what it is about them that I can link to, to help give them support for where they come from. Thank you so much. I want to change the direction just a little bit and talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion. These are huge issues in student affairs today, in a general sense, across universities and colleges. How do we address these kinds of issues? And maybe I should actually step back and say, where are we at with that? How do you interpret the progression of overcoming some of the hurdles associated with equity, diversity, inclusion, so that we see ourselves working together rather than working in uh, tearing ourselves apart from each other? How do we work to bring ourselves together? How are we doing with that? And how does an online education, how does student affairs help 
I know it's a huge question. No, I think it's an important question. Thank you for asking it. I think the work is ongoing. I think that it is something that we have to continue to embed into our day-to-day practices as teachers, as professionals, as human beings. I think those that ultimately have a care for others, and educators tend to do that, have a care for others, have a greater lens of support on what to look for. Because when we talk about diversity and equity and inclusion, we're talking about being able to identify individuals and to embrace their differences. And educators already have experience doing this. Good educators, I should say. We know that students are at different points of their learning. We know that students are at different points of things that are going on outside of the classroom, such as socioeconomic status. We know that students may be facing learning challenges and may need various different levels of support to overcome those learning challenges. So educators are already in a great space for this, specifically with online learning. You know, every time I send a student an audio feedback, I make sure to insert captions because I don't want to assume that I have created an inclusive environment. So I wanna do everything that I can. And, you know, the inclusive part of DEI work is so important because as long as we're giving everyone the opportunity to say, you are welcome, I have thought about what may be needed for you to be in this space, we are really achieving what we need for diversity and equity as well, because we're doing everything that we can to create an opportunity for a student to see a little bit of themselves within our community. That's why it's so important that we have a staff that represents diversity. We have staff from various socioeconomic, religious, sexual orientation, gender, all of that is into play so students can see a little bit of themselves within the faculty that resonates with them. And I think that makes them feel inspired. I'm so intrigued by what we're talking about here. And I know our listeners are too. We'll be right back after a message. At American Public University, we believe quality education must be more affordable. That's why as a leader in online higher education, we focus on minimizing costs and maximizing return on learner investment. And we believe higher education must be more accessible. So our online programs start every month. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we're back with Dr. Jan Spencer and Dr. Sean Bogle talking about student affairs. You've said a couple of times here, Sean, that educators are already primed for this, to think about the individual, to consider what their needs might be. And I'm wondering if someone is feeling a little bit less inclined, like they really want to do this, but they don't really know how, is there some suggestion you have for expanding their approach a little bit? Yeah, I think that there are so many opportunities out there for professional development that really do not cost anything. I think that just using the tools at hand, whether it's something like LinkedIn, there's so many articles and resources that are available that can just be absorbed on one's own time. I think the other thing is to correlate experiences. No matter the classroom setting, there is always going to be diversity. The diversity may not always look like race, but the correlation can be there. So for example, if a teacher is working in an environment where there's a high socioeconomic status, it doesn't mean that every student in that environment has a high socioeconomic status. How have you related or resonated to that student? Or 
a student in a high socioeconomic status may have a learning deficiency. How have you met that gap? That same approach of embrace, how do I include them? How do I customize and align my lesson? That's the same thing that all students need. So it's a heterogeneous environment in terms of race, ethnicity, culture. It's that same lens of how do I include them? How do I acknowledge their differences that creates that inclusive environment? Great. Sean, one of the things I appreciate about working with you is that you bring a breadth of experience also from the marketplace. And that's where you're at right now in working in the marketplace as well as teaching. So help me understand, help our listeners understand the transition away from only focusing on campus instruction and now being a part of the marketplace as well with what your present role is. Help us understand how that fits into your overall approach to student affairs. Absolutely. So, you know, working primarily as a student affairs administrator for over 12 years, it gave me a very broad base in how to support students in the trenches, if you will, on the grounds, whether that is crisis management and support, non-clinical support, having conversations, planning large-scale events, or helping to plan large-scale events such as orientation and graduation. These are sort of, as I mentioned, being in the trenches with students. That being said, as I have sort of grown my own skill set, completed my doctorate work, it's allowed me to take a more 30,000-foot view, if you will, of how the issues of a university impact students. So beyond that one-on-one support or that in-the-trenches support, how do I, as a professional working in student affairs, look at the larger scale? So now that I work at Kuali in my specific role as community engagement coordinator, focusing on partnering universities that are doing research with software tools, I'm looking at the scope of how does research impact students? Many universities across the globe are doing research and ultimately it's going to impact students. So whether that research is on COVID-19, whether that research is on clean water initiatives or environmental issues, these are things that our students are doing. Oftentimes when a faculty member is conducting research, they're using student participants to conduct the research and or they're using students to help guide that research. The students are often helping the faculty as assistants in those research projects. So it allows for me to have a more holistic view, if you will, of what it takes to be a student beyond the student being in crisis or planning a party or their day-to-day outside of the classroom. I think it's important for a student affairs professional to have an idea of what students are doing in the classroom or in the lab. That's great. One last question for you from me. And one of the things that you have mentioned in your comments throughout our conversation has to do with dealing with student mental health. And I, I know that as a professional on ground, that's pretty obvious that you'll be face-to-face with a student to help them through a scenario, whereas an online environment, it's a little bit more difficult to get into their head, you might say, and to deal with their issues. So can you talk a little bit about student affairs in the on-ground environment versus the online environment? And how does student affairs overall present an increased role in supporting students with mental health issues? Sure. So the first thing that I should note is that one of the quotes I've always sort of guided myself in terms of wellness for student support is that the absence of a mental health illness is not the presence of mental health wellness. And what I've taken that to mean is that 
We know that there are students that may actually suffer from a condition such as bipolar disorder. And many campuses, whether it's online or on campus, are set up to support that student. But just because a student may not have a mental health clinically diagnosed illness doesn't mean that they are well. So every student needs wellness, whether that's on campus or in a virtual environment. It can be easier, if you will, to put eyes on a student who may not look well, a student that may be aloof from the community, who may have a appearance that's melancholy. We can look at those signs on campus. It certainly can be more challenging when in a virtual environment. That being said, I think the link there is the absence, right? When a student on campus is not around their friends, not going to class, those things are noticed. But they also can be very much noticed in a virtual environment, too. A student that started off on fire in discussion boards, asking questions, posting a lot, and then they go absent. That could, in fact, be symptomatic that there's something going on there in terms of wellness. And oftentimes, when I'm able to reach out, I'm able to find out the student had a hard week. I remember within American Public University, a student had lost a parent. And it certainly explained why they were so engaged and then they just sort of went absent. So looking for those little signs and being able to reach out. I try to be very mindful that when I'm not hearing from a student, it very well could be something going on with their wellness. And wellness is a very general term and it should be because many things can affect and be variables to wellness. So I try to reach out and say, is there anything that I can do? That's always part of the initial message that I try to have to a student when I notice that there's been an absence. Wonderful. Bethany, I'll throw it over to you in case you have any questions you want to bring to Dr. Bogle. I do. I'm more curious about that area of student wellness and what you just shared. This is something I coach faculty on occasionally. Notice when a student disappears, reach out when they disappear, ask them how you can help and be supportive. Aside from the student disappearing, what other things could help a faculty member know that they should ask or should be curious about that? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's important for me to look for context within even discussion posts. So when a student is engaging with their peers, what are they saying? I remember having a discussion with students in a discussion post, and it was about the value of a graduate degree. And a student said something to the effect of, I'm not even sure what I'm doing in this program. So they weren't absent, but their words within itself gave me a little bit of pause for concern to be able to reach out on the side or at least monitor what they were saying. Oftentimes I look for a pattern, if you will. Sometimes even if a student is submitting work, I can notice that the quality of work has fluctuated from perhaps what they have submitted in the past. So it's not that they aren't showing up, but maybe the way that they're showing up is inconsistent. So oftentimes when I see a student who was able to put together an assignment and really follow the APA guidelines and really have a structured approach, and now their next assignment, there's typos everywhere, it's rushed. So they turn something in, they're present, but they're not present in a way that I'm used to them being present. To me, that strikes a sign that this is behavior that I should be cognizant of. So Again, not just when someone's absent, but how they're showing up when they show up. Thank you so much for sharing those ideas. I love that when you're looking for patterns or noticing something unusual. I'm also kind of wondering how an online faculty member can be more supportive of people in student affairs. 
How can they really connect with that department in an institution? Yeah, I think that one of the things that can be done is knowing the name of the local or the primary liaison. Most departments at universities will have or schools will have someone that is the liaison. It can be a residence dean, assistant dean. These titles are oftentimes different, but they oftentimes do the same type of work, which is that they serve as the person of contact when a student may be in need or have concerns. The other thing that I think is important is to invite conversations with student affairs professionals. It could be the vice president of student affairs or dean of students about what language should I be including even if it's brief in my syllabi, my syllabus to set the tone for the particular term. So for example, is there something about wellness? Is there a line? Is there something that I should be embedding into my syllabus, knowing that this may not be my field of expertise, but how do I let students know that I care about their holistic being on campus or in the virtual campus environment? So that here's an email address or phone number or person to contact so I think faculty being able to reach out and make that linkage, it also displays something to the student. And then if there is an opportunity, and I know that the term can be tight and we certainly want it to be academically focused, but I've always appreciated when faculty, as a student affairs professional, faculty have said, can you come talk to my class for two minutes at the beginning of the term? Or whenever they feel like a, a it's amazing how much intersectionality there is between so many lessons and student affairs. So if there's something that feels like there could be intersection there with student affairs, invite me in for a two or three minute spot and I'm happy to speak with students. So just showing that intersectionality. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You know, I have to just tell you, Sean, that you just jogged a personal memory for me that I had no idea this person was a student affairs professional, but it's bringing full circle the ideas we're talking about here. My freshman year of my undergraduate degree, I went to a large university with 30,000 students, but I happened to take a class from the Dean of Student Life. And that person went to the marching band performance at the football game, looked for me, wrote me a letter to tell me what they thought about the performance, and really paid attention to who I was. And in a university that large, that to me was remarkable. I had no idea that is student affairs. That's just beautiful. Yeah, it's that person-to-person -person approach. Yeah. I was one of those anomalies where I came from a single parent family and a certain demographic where I probably was definitely a person you'd think might slip through the cracks somehow. So it was nice this person noticed me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning some of those roles and also for the tips on how faculty can get involved. I'm going to pass it back to you, Jan, on any final comments or questions you'd like to add here. Well, we are very excited that our student affairs program here at APIS is really a cutting edge kind of a thing. And our faculty, such as Sean and some of the others, have said to me, Jan, this is a cutting edge program. This is some of the finest material that we have seen. So we're very excited. The program is growing slowly. And we invite those who are interested in being a part of learning more about student affairs, if that's where they sense their direction is going. We're here to serve any way we possibly can, answer any questions and be support to our students who are considering that direction with their studies. Beautiful. And how about you, Sean? Any final comments you'd like to add? Well, I just want to thank both of you for allowing me the opportunity to engage with you. This has been wonderful and a privilege for me to be able to speak to my experiences. These opportunities are, I think, what makes Student Affairs so special, the opportunity to connect with others in a meaningful way.
Beautiful. So thanks for being here, Dr. Jan Spencer and Dr. Sean Bogle. And we really appreciate your ideas and all that you've taught us today. To our listeners, we want to thank you for listening and wish you all the best in your online teaching this coming week. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. To share comments and requests for future episodes, please visit bethanyhansen.com forward slash request. Best wishes this coming week in your online teaching journey. For more information about our university, visit us at study at APU.com. APU. American Public University.